How can we understand death, disease, and suffering in light of the Bible's teaching that a creator, God, is loving? Well, today my friend Ken Ham is going to confront this issue head on with me. He's got a brand new book called Divine Dilemma, and he's joining me today to talk about it. There really are answers that can give you the peace that you need. Stick around. I think you're going to be. thank you guys for joining me. I want to just say thanks for everybody who's been subscribing to the brand new podcast, Happy Hour. We're enjoying watching those numbers climb. If you guys want to find out how to do that, just hop on over to Spotify. I'm going to jump right in today because you guys know I'm a super fan of Answers in Genesis and of Ken Ham. He's got a brand new book out that really is answering a question that a lot of millennials are asking. A generation who's looking around and going, man, this world is messed up. And how could we have a loving God when there's so much disease, so much death, so much suffering? And uh, he's he's really tackling this head on. Ken, I'm so glad that you're here. Thanks for taking the time today. Hi, it's great to be with you again, Heidi. So I hear really quickly before we jump into your book, you just got back from Australia. What were you doing there? Uh, actually, I was invited to speak at a Christian schools conference, and I went and spoke to 550 Christian school teachers. I mean, keep in mind, Australia is a totally pagan country, and there are no Christian universities to speak of and so on. And also, while I was over there, we did uh, a, a seminar, a conference. I did that with Dr. Georgia Purdom, you know Georgia, and yes. also Martin Isles from Australia, and you've met Martin. And it's interesting, there's an incredible hunger there because, you know, the Christians that are there recognize they're living in a pagan culture. They're like, it's like Daniel living in Babylon. And... We're finding a hunger over there, like we see in Latin America, actually. And it's a hunger that I don't really see in America, except maybe in the West and in the East, you see it to a degree. You don't see it in the Bible Belt area, sadly. But we actually were able to use an auditorium at a church that seated 1,500, which is big for Australia, by and large. Martin, in the past, has used convention centers, and I see why, because we had people register for this conference, and it sold out in three days. And a lot of people were sad that they weren't able to come. And I spoke to the people and Martin Isle spoke and Georgia Purdom spoke there. And I tell you, the hunger was incredible. The response was phenomenal. They vacuumed the, the books, the resources off the tables. And as a result, um, Martin is dragging me back uh, for March next year. We're going to do conferences in all the major cities and we're renting the convention centers in the major cities. So that's going to be an incredible outreach uh, down under, an outreach to Australia. Praise the Lord. Australia, so you say that Australia is a pagan nation. Has it always been that? Well, it, it's been much more Christianized in the past. I mean, and if you go back to the Billy Graham crusade days of the late 50s, you know, 59 was the first big crusade in Sydney and Melbourne, and then you come back in the 60s, it had an incredible impact. I mean, thousands of people came along and so on. At that stage, you know, the Bible was read in schools. I mean, all school yeah. students heard the Bible read through uh, during the year. And there was more of a Christianized, you know, Judeo-Christian ethic that sort of permeated the culture. Uh, but I'd say Australia right now is probably 15 years down the road further than America. I mean, when you, if, as an Australian, if you come to America, you think America's really Christian. You're just shocked wow. at how many churches and you know, billboards about Christianity and so on. Uh, but and we know how far America has fallen, of course, and it's so less Christian than it used to be. But you go to Australia, it is totally pagan. I mean, it is a post-Christian culture. 
uh, that you know every 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 company is woke. I mean, there are no non-woke com- companies, and there's no Christian universities, and most churches are very lukewarm. And the woke churches have well, they basically died because you know. Once you woke as a church, you don't want to be called Christian anymore, anyway. And, That's right. And uh, you just like the world. So, no, if you want to, if you want to see Christians living in a pagan country, that's Australia. And at the same wow. time, the hunger from those Christians that are there is absolutely incredible, and they want God's word. They want to hear it. And uh, so, we're going to do our best to get it to them. And we're Actually, you know, our Ministry of Answers in Genesis has been fledging in Australia for a number of years, but we're taking that to whole new levels and uh, in, employing people to be able to be running it for us in a big way again because there's such a hunger, hunger for the resources, for the materials. So we're going to be really impacting that country. And, of course, it's my home country. So Yeah, you're, you're a native of Australia. I am, even so though I'm part, I'm part American now because I have an American passport too. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Answers in Genesis has really been speaking into a cultural vacuum now for quite a while, quite a long time. I mean, I, you know, I've uh, I've been out there several times speaking for Answers for Women and doing some homeschooling events, which have been wonderful. But what I'm noticing is what you're saying is happening in Australia. I think in large part is happening here. People are coming to the Ark Encounter and coming to the mm-hmm. Creation Museum because they want to put feet to their faith and be able to give an answer. And, you know, uh, a lot of them just aren't getting it in their churches. Um, actually, just before we did this interview, uh, the night before, I was down in Florida. Uh, so uh, down there, and I was speaking to a group of people and uh, you know, just chatting with them, and they said one of the big problems is it's hard to find a church that takes a stand on God's Word in Genesis. And one of the most asked questions we get asked at the Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum, do you know a church in our area that takes that stand? And you know what we're finding? And I, I, I see what... What the Lord has done here, uh, in 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 a way that even be, it was beyond my my understanding and expectations originally, but we, I knew that a lot of churches aren't taking a stand on God's word in Genesis and so on. And so, by building the attractions, the Ark Encounter, the Creation Museum, it really provides something for people that if the churches aren't doing it, now some are, but they're the exception. But if the churches aren't doing it, we need to do it, and God will bring them in. And God has brought all these people in, and not just Christians, but non-Christians. And a lot of Christians, as a result of coming to the Ark and the Creation Museum, are able to impact their own families, their own children, and then they're going back and they're putting uh, pressure on their own churches. And that's Mm -hmm. the amazing thing. And I've had many people tell me, I'm going back uh, to our pastor and challenge him, why aren't you teaching God's Word in Genesis? Because, you know, Genesis 1 to 11 is the foundation for everything, everything, for all doctrine, for the gospel. It's a foundation for our worldview. It's a foundation for everything. It's a foundation for understanding the death and suffering issue, which is a reason many people don't understand that or know how to deal with it, is because they haven't been taught uh, by their church leaders uh, the, the history in Genesis 1 to 11. In fact, if you think about it, you know, if you want to deal with any issue, the race issue, the agenda, uh, the gender issue, you know, the abortion issue, uh, the gay marriage issue, dealing with LGBT, the euthanasia issue, all those, all those issues, to deal with any of them, yet people need to understand they're all symptoms of the one problem. And the problem is building their thinking on man's word instead of God's word. And, and the solution to them all has always been the same. The solution is God's word and the saving gospel. And so when you start in God's word in Genesis, you have the foundation to deal with any issue. And if you want to deal with the death and suffering issue, 
you have to start with Genesis 1 to 11. So, you know, when people start talking about how can I believe in a loving God with death and suffering in the world and so on and looking at this world, unless you start with Genesis 1 to 11, you're not going to have the foundation to understand death is an enemy, death is an intrusion because of sin, it's our fault, it's not God's fault, death hasn't been here for millions of years, and sadly, many of our Christian leaders have taught them that there's been millions of years of death and suffering leading up to man because they've taken the world's belief in millions of years and added it to the Bible, then you're not going to understand death and suffering. You're not going to be able to deal with it properly. You're not going to be able to teach your children. You're not going to be able to deal with it when it comes to in, in your own life, when there's you know death of a loved one or some horrible disease or terminal disease that you might have. If you don't have that right foundation to understand the origin of death, the origin of sin, why death exists, why there's suffering in the world, to understand that we deserve nothing because we rebelled uh, against our creator God. And the fact is that he placed upon us a judgment of death because he's a holy God, but by doing so, he came to rescue us from what we did in, in, in rebelling against him and the consequence of eternal separation from God. So in the death of his son, that evil event on the cross was a, an evil event, but God used it for eternal purposes, uh, for good purposes, so that we might be saved and, and one to the Lord. So even beginning to talk about topics, any topic at all, we've got to start with that foundational history or we won't be able to have the right worldview and we won't understand it. Interesting. I was speaking at a Christian event. I think I texted you about this about a week and a half ago or so, and I was having lunch with an apologeticist and he was talking to me about and I was going to getting ready to invite him on the show because I thought this is fantastic. He's out there uh, teaching kids how to defend their faith. And so we, I said, hey, you know, what's your stand on, the, on Genesis? And he said, well, I just think the church is overreacting. It doesn't matter. You know, we're, it's the gospel. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. And you guys are, uh, you know, people like, actually, he mentioned you, which I thought was kind of funny. He said, people like Ken Ham are dividing the church when they refuse to acknowledge science, when they refuse to, you know, uh, stick to the dogma of, you know, instead of saying millions of years and agreeing with science, we make ourselves look foolish. And I thought to myself, here's a guy who can't take God at his word because God's word can stand up to scrutiny. What do you say to people who who say it's the gospel, it's the gospel, it's the gospel, and uh, all this talk about Genesis and Genesis 1 to 11 and how it's foundational to everything is divisive? Well, you know what? Uh... Heidi, the Bible talks about different sorts of division, right? And the yep. Bible actually does talk about the fact that it's good when people are united. We need to be united around God's word. But Paul talks about a division that is very needed, a needed division to determine who is, is standing right. And, uh, you know, you read that in Corinthians, that a very needed division. There's a time when you need that. I mean, we've mm -hmm. seen that just happen recently with uh, like the United Methodist Church where there's been a, a yes. split there Ooh. and a division. Why? It was a needed division because there was much of the church and church leaders who weren't standing on God's word and who were going with the LGBT worldview. Well, there's going to have to be needed division. You guys know how concerned I am about the state of the United States, particularly as it relates to education more than ever. High school students need a course that challenges them to think about whether the founding ideals of this country are worth preserving and then inspires them to act upon their conclusion. Michael Ferris is releasing a new 30-week American civics course 
that will guide you and your students to deeper understanding in three core subject areas, America's founding principles, the mechanics of government and lawmaking, and the constitution that makes our system of government possible. If you pre-enroll by August 1st with the promo code HEIDI15, that's H-E-I-D-I-1-5, you will save 15%. We've got options for co-ops and single household options. It's fully online and it's self-paced. Content for the fall semester classes release August 3rd and unit one is available for free when you create an account at lumen.com. That's lumen, L-U-M-I-N-N.com. Don't forget to use the promo code Heidi15, H-E-I-D-I-1-5 for 15% off by August 1st. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And, you know, when it comes to this whole issue, and, like, you know, people like that, when they obviously use my name in vain there, and uh, <laughs> Ken Ham, yeah, I'm, I'm the target out there, you throw the darts at him. Yeah. Uh, but they're so yeah. ignorant, too, because they, they talk about, you know, us rejecting science. We don't reject science. We have a lot of PhD scientists here at the ministry. Absol- well, Dr. Right? Georgia Purdom is right oh, up there yeah. with them. Absolutely. And, and she's a geneticist, and we have Dr. Andrew Snelling, who's a geologist, and Dr. Danny Faulkner who is an astronomer, and we have Dr. Nathaniel Jeanson with a PhD from Harvard University, and we have Dr. Gabriella Haynes, who has a PhD in paleontology, and so it goes on. And, you know, the thing is, the word science, that's why when I debated Bill Nye here at the Creation Museum in 2014, first thing I did was I said, we need to define the word science, because Bill said, this is science versus the Bible. And I said, no, it's not. The word science means knowledge, comes from the Latin scientia, and there's two different types of knowledge. You can have uh, knowledge about the past when you weren't there, your beliefs about origins, or you can have knowledge gained by five senses in the present that builds technology to build computers and airplanes and so on. And so all of us agree with observational science. That's the science that yes. builds our technology. But when it comes to historical science beliefs about the past, that's different. And that person that was speaking to you, he wasn't there to experience millions of years. He didn't see it. He didn't see all the fossil layers being laid down, right? He didn't see that. And what we've, we've got to do is stand back and, and look at God's word because if you look at God's word, he makes it very clear, death is a result of sin. How can you have millions of years of death before sin? And, and you see, think of this problem. People like him say that we're the stumbling block to people and then they say it's all about the gospel. Well, what is the gospel? The gospel, the good news, Jesus died and crossed and raised from the dead. Okay, well, explain to me, why did he die? 
Well, because he died for your sin? Well, explain to me, what is sin? Where does sin come from? Well, don't worry about that. That's in Genesis. We don't deal with that. No, don't worry about that. You're just a sinner. No, tell me where sin came from. Why has death got anything to do with sin? Why has death on the cross got anything to do with saving me from my sin? Explain that to me. You've got to go back to Genesis. In fact, if you say Genesis doesn't matter, the gospel is presented the first time in Genesis. In Genesis 3.15, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, your seed, her seed. He shall bruise your, your head, you, you, you bruise his heel. It, that's even talking about the cross. It's talking about the victory on the cross. It's talking about the promise of the Savior. Genesis 3.21, the first blood sacrifices they're covering for their sin, the origin of clothing uh, there. That was a setup of the sacrificial system. The fact is, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins because the life of the flesh is in the blood, and blood represents life. Death was a penalty for sin. There has to be the giving of life to pay the penalty for sin. But the so the sacrifice of animals can't take away our sin. The blood of bulls and goats, goats can't. We're not connected to the animals. When you had even those times in the past history when when thousands, tens of thousands of, of lambs were being brought uh, for, for sacrifice, not one drop of blood from any of those could take away our sin. It was all pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who would come and be one of us and die on a cross and be raised from the dead. And you see, if you believe in millions of years, it totally undermines the gospel message because the idea of millions of years came out of atheism, uh, naturalism, those who want to explain the fossil record without God, who said we don't believe in the flood of Noah's day. The fossils were laid down millions of years before man. But the fossil record is not just a record of death. In the fossil record, it's a record of disease. There's evidence of cancer, abscesses, arthritis, uh, tumors, uh, that you see a, a, a evidence of uh, in the fossil record. And if you believe in millions of years, you're actually saying God's responsible for cancer. Because after God created man, everything he made, he said, was very good. And if you've got death and diseases like cancer millions of years before man sinned, then God called cancer very good. The Bible tells us in Romans 8, this is a groaning world because of our sin and that death is an enemy. One day, death will be thrown to the lake of fire. One day, God's going to wipe away all tears. There's going to be a new heavens, new earth. There'll be no more death, no more suffering. It's a restoration. If, but generations of our kids have been taught, even by Christian leaders, like the one you're referring to, to believe in millions of years, then God's responsible for death and suffering. They have no concept of what sin did to the world. Therefore, they have no concept of the holiness of God. And it's one of the reasons why I think a, a lot of young people in our churches treat God as almost, you know, sort of very glibly in, in a way that they don't understand his holiness and what our, mm. what our sin has done. And then how do you deal with the issue of death and suffering? Once you understand that death is in the world because of our sin, it's our fault, it's not God's fault, that we deserve nothing, we, we rebelled against a holy God, God placed upon us the judgment of death, but in doing so, think of what he was doing. The judgment of death that then he stepped into history in the person of his son to be a member of the human race as a perfect man to die on a cross. Now, that was an evil event, right? Because here, think about this, how many times people say, if there's a loving God, why do you love, why do you allow that horrible thing to happen to these people? Why do you allow this? Hey, the most evil event in, in the whole universe was, was the crucifixion of our Lord. 
And yet God used that evil event for good purposes because he used it to save us as sinners uh, so we can spend eternity with him. And, and we've got to remember that. I mean, you, you look in the Bible and you look at Esther, you look at Joseph, there's many examples where evil things happened. And even in Joseph, it, he says what, what men meant for evil, God meant for good. God's in total control. He used those evil purposes. Uh, he used those terrible circumstances for good. And we've got to remember that as Christians. You know, in the book I wrote, Divine Dilemma, it's a very personal book because I, I use the example of my younger brother who was a great Bible teacher. He loved the Lord. He was an incredible Bible teacher. And he, he died at a young age over a two-year period from a horrible brain disease. It was dehabilitating. It was dehumanizing. It was awful. And, and my mother, watching her son deteriorate like this, uh, he left a young family. Um, and for us struggling through that, uh, and I use that, and, and also the death of my father, because my mother uh, lived for, uh, what, 26 years without my father. Uh, wow. And uh, she never, ever waned in her faith. She always had that strong faith. But yet, she still struggled with these issues, like we all do. And Because it hurts. It hurts. And, you know, I remember yeah. her once saying, look at the liberal pastor down the street that teaches against God's word and, you know, and, and condones gay marriage and all those sorts of things. And yet he's as healthy as an ox. And my son, who believes God's word and preached it and stood in a literal genesis and, and uh, you know, he, he died a horrible disease. And I said, yeah, mum, but remember, our, our, our Robert is totally healed. And because he was a Christian, you know, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of one of his saints. Why is that precious? Because we're separated from God because of our sin. And when we die as Christians, we go back to be with God. That's why it's precious. And that liberal pastor down the street, if he's not a, a true Christian and he hasn't repented of his sin, he's going to be separated from God forever in a second death, the Bible tells us. And we've got to remember something. You know, when we ask that question, why did this person die? Why did that happen? We've got to stand back and recognize everyone's going to die. Death comes to everyone. When... When we read in Luke 18 about the Tower of Siloam, that, oh, was it Luke 18, Luke 13, uh, where uh, a tower fell on people and, and killed 18 of them. And Jesus asked the question, why did these people die? Well, they were sinners and others. And you know what Jesus' answer was? Repent. Now, that sounds like a strange answer, doesn't it? Why did these people die? Why did this horrible thing happen to them? And Jesus says, repent. You know what he's saying? Yeah. It's coming for you. It's coming for you. Everyone's going to die. That was their turn to die. You're going to die. That's what you should be looking at. Make sure you have trusted uh, Christ for salvation. Go, go read the genealogies before you go to bed. So-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so begat so-and-so, and he died. So-and-so begat so-and-so, yeah. and he died. So-and-so begat so-and-so, and he died. Go read the genealogies and be reminded. Everyone's going to die. Death is a penalty for sin. We deserve nothing. That doesn't mean we don't grieve uh, because of a loved one dying or we, 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 we don't suffer because of diseases, because of horrible accidents or what happens. That doesn't mean we, we, we don't go through those things. You know, we look at it and say, why would God do that? You know, if he's a loving God, wait a minute, we don't deserve anything, right? He judged us with the judgment of death 
everything falls apart, it's a reminder of what our sin has done. Our sin is so devastating. Our sin is we committed high treason against the God of creation. We don't deserve to exist, but God wants us to spend eternity with him. He loves us so much, he sent his son to rescue us from the mess that we created. That's how we should be looking at it. And really, the answer to all of this is what we read in Job. You know, a lot of people think, oh, Job was supposed to be all about death and suffering and us understanding why there's death and suffering, but it doesn't answer the question. But it does answer the question. It's very clear. You know, as we get a little insight that God allowed all these horrible things to happen to Job, and Job's friends give him all sorts of bad advice, like a lot of a lot of people in the church today give us all this bad advice. Uh, and then Job was trying to justify himself even before God in that, you know, I, I, I've trusted God and done what's right and so on. And you know what happened? Then God said, Job, listen to me. And then Job, and then God in, in Job 38, 39, 40, 41, as he goes through all those the, 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 those verses there. What do we read? And, and God particularly mentions creation over and over. I hope you guys are enjoying this interview with my friend, Ken Ham, who is also the CEO and founder of Answers in Genesis. Tomorrow, we're going to come back and continue our conversation. And Ken's going to be talking a lot about why the church and God's people need to let God be God. So if you've been struggling with what's happening in the culture, if you're looking for answers, to the questions of death and suffering, even the answers of issues we're dealing with culturally, such as the issue of transgenderism. Tomorrow's gonna be a fantastic show. Make sure and come back for it. In the meantime, I wanna thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate you so very much for your support of this podcast and for sharing with other people. Thank you for leaving reviews for the show at iTunes and also at Spotify. You guys, your prayers and your financial support are making this podcast possible. And so we want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. I hope you guys have a great day. I'll see you right back here again tomorrow with part two of my interview with my friend, Ken Ham.